This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. It is the first of many Reds podcasts in 2018. Happy New Year to all the Reds fans and to you, Mr. Mark Sheldon, our Reds reporter for MLB.com. And uh, Mark, as always, we thank you for the time. And what we're doing today is simply looking ahead. Uh, Spring training is not that far away, as hard as that is to believe. And uh, before we know it, the 2018 season as well is going to be underway in earnest. What we're doing today is uh, asking the five biggest questions that this Reds team is going to face heading into the 2018 season. So, Mark, uh, let's start right here with uh, what is always a big question regarding this Reds team. That is the rotation. When you assess the rotation right now, who would you say is a lock uh, for a spot in that rotation? Who are some guys that have inside tracks, and who are some guys that are going to be uh, complete wild cards, maybe competing for the four and five spots in that rotation? Yeah, Matt, talking to Brian Price during the winter meetings, he seemed to have four guys uh, in his mind that were locks going into spring training, and that would have been Homer Bailey, Anthony DiScofani, uh, Brandon Finnegan, and Luis Castillo. And then you kind of had the maybe – and this is me talking, not what Brian was saying, but you probably have the first tier of uh, of guys that are going to be in that line for the fifth spot, and you're talking about Sal Romano, Tyler uh, Malley, and Robert Stevenson. And then the wild cards, in, in my mind, are, are guys like Amir Garrett, Cody Reed, and uh, Jackson Stevens. I think those might be the guys. Brian did indicate that two guys that have been starters traditionally are going to be used in the bullpen, so he didn't say which two. Uh, so that'll be an interesting note. And then, of course, another X factor is Michael Lorenzen, who's been the setup guy for the last couple of years. He's also going to get an opportunity to compete for the rotation. Uh, and I think Michael will have to leapfrog uh, a, a few of these guys in order to get in there. But he's uh, he's a very good candidate because he can, he can definitely bring the stuff. He's got multiple pitches and he's got a lot of velocity. If he can uh, dial back some of the other things that led to him not succeeding as a starter, uh, he can he can be a factor as well. And Mark, of the guys you mentioned that are going to be uh, competing for those spots in the the mid to the back of that rotation, in, in terms of a guy that simply intrigues you, who is one guy that you would pick out? One guy that you would earmark as, as somebody that kind of you say to yourself, I, I really really want to see how this guy's stuff could translate uh, as a full time starter. Is there one guy that kind of stands out for you? I'd have to say Malley, just because I didn't see him that much, and he was so successful very quickly going up the going up the chain. Uh, Luis Castillo obviously did a lot of things going from double A to the big leagues, and we got to see him, and he's definitely got ace in the making stuff. But Malley uh, is someone that they, they could only see for a little bit. I think he got four starts, and then his innings limit hit, and they had to shut him down. But he he is a guy that, that could very well translate into being a, a, a major league starter pretty quickly and successfully. Uh, I'm, just, I'm, you know, I'm looking to see a bigger – uh, body of work 
and I'm sure the Reds are as well, but they were very impressed with his numbers in the minors, especially last year, and they, they think he's a guy that they, they're going to like for a while. Yeah, it's going to be a very interesting spring training for Brian Price and uh, the pitching staff as they look to sort things out and uh, roll with their five guys uh, for opening day and beyond. That's, of course, always a subject to change as uh, as things seem to go. Mark, uh, question two is a two-part question. Uh, do you believe this is Nick Senzel's time, and if it is, uh, where do you think he's going to play? That's a great question. Uh, I think Nick Senzel thinks it's Nick Senzel's time, and he's definitely coming to camp when I talked to him. Uh, he, t- he said he's definitely coming to camp looking to earn a spot out of, out of uh, spring training. He's not content with uh, starting the year in AAA, which is probably what's going to happen. But I would imagine that when his bat uh, gets to Louisville in uh, late March, he's not going to take very long to show that he belongs in the major leagues. And then the question, of course, is where does he play? Uh, third base is his natural position. That's where Ayugenio Suarez is, and they're right now loath to move Suarez. Then you have uh, – he's uh, going to be giving some experience in left and right field. They're going to have his glove up, you know, learn. He's already been practicing in Tennessee, and he's got uh, experience in either college or high school at shortstop and second base. I think if he was to land in one particular spot, I would say it would be either shortstop or second base. Those are the two spots that kind of have – uh, maybe some vulnerability in some sense. Scooter Jeanette, of course, is coming off a breakout year. Uh, you know, the four home run game obviously comes to mind. The four grand slams, he hit over 25 home runs. But you have to wonder if the trend will go back downward a little bit. I, it'd be very hard for him to duplicate that season again. But if he does, he's going to probably be safe. And then you have Jose Peraza at shortstop, who uh, – Struggled in the first half last year, lost his job at second base to Jeanette, then came back and filled in for Zach Cozart sometimes, and he definitely showed some improvement. But I would say that Senzel could push one of those guys, or they can make a trade in the outfield, and maybe Senzel could find a spot there. It does. It definitely falls in the system of if you can hit, they'll find a place for you to play. Yeah, the cream always rises, as uh, the saying goes. And, uh, Mark, that's a perfect segue to the next question, which you just touched on. Regarding the outfield, uh, you know, the, the saying goes kind of that – you can never have too much talent or too many, you know, uh, too many players because there's such an emphasis on depth and on flexibility uh, at every position on the baseball field right now. Having said that, though, do you still feel that there's at least one too many outfielders in the mix? Yeah. Right now, going into camp and, and after talking to Dick Williams and Brian Price, they seem like they're prepared to go with a four outfielder rotation between Jesse Winker, Adam Duvall, Scott Shebler, and Billy Hamilton, where that all four guys can get 120 plus games a year and maybe, you know, four to 500 at bats somehow, where more or less is whoever the guy isn't playing that day becomes their, their sort of the ace in the hole off the bench. They've had a, you know, some bench issues over the year and, you know, and they all bring different things. If it's Hamilton, obviously he would come in and bring in late inning defense and, and, uh, and, and speed if he wants to come in and disrupt something in the late innings. Uh, Shebler and uh, Duvall are, are home run hitters, and they can obviously be a late inning game changer. And then Winker is just a steady get on base, hit line drive kind of guy. Uh, but ultimately, they want to find a place for Jesse Winker to play full time. And Adam Duvall was shopped around a little bit, and I haven't heard anything lately. There was a lot, a lot of talk about Billy Hamilton to the Giants, but you got to wonder now that the Giants have traded a lot of their assets to get Evan Longoria, they may not have enough to get Billy Hamilton. Um, but somebody eventually will probably have to be moved. And then you throw Nick Senzel in there. If he's good enough to be in the outfield, then you have a, a fifth guy to deal with. And then there's Philip Irvin, who is uh, probably 
destined for AAA, but would be the first option if anything was to happen to anybody. Uh, so there's there's definitely a crowd. It's not the worst problem to have, but I think if they were able to find a deal for Duvall or Shebler or Hamilton in order to give uh, Jesse Winker everyday playing time, I think they would do it. Hamilton moving him is a little harder because they don't have the easiest market for him. I think they've asked for a lot. They, they, they covet him because of his defense and his speed. Obviously, his offense has a long way to go to being uh, satisfactory, but they also don't have a center fielder ready to go to take over for him on an everyday basis. Yeah, and that's a perfect segue again to the next question regarding uh, Billy Hamilton specifically. You know, there are guys that, you know, obviously Billy Hamilton is, uh, you know, in a class by himself when it comes to speed, when it comes to defense. And because of those attributes, you kind of say to yourself, this guy could just hit, you know, 250. Uh, he could be an all-star every year, whereas there's other guys that may need to hit over 300 because they don't have the speed or the defense that Billy Hamilton possesses. So I guess when you look at that end of the equation for Billy Hamilton, if you have to put a number to it, you know, a number for average, a number for on-base percentage and, and so forth, you know, what might those numbers be to where he could reach that next level? In my opinion, I, I'm not thinking about the average quite as much, but I, I have to think the on-base percentage has to be minimum 320. And I, I just think if he's on base, that he was at 299 uh, last season and on base, and he batted, while he batted 247. If he can just get on a little bit more, he's going to create that many more runs. He's going to create that many much more scoring opportunities for whether it's Suarez or Votto or, or Shebler or Jeanette that are hitting behind him and Duvall. And I just think the Reds' offense can go to the next level. It, it's just they've always said to, to him, and it's something he's embraced, especially uh, early when he first came up, you know, the team goes as Billy goes. And I think that's been perfectly uh, evident uh, when, when 2014, when he's playing full-time for the first time, they, they, didn't have some tr- they didn't have any trouble scoring with, with Hamilton. They did have some struggles in other areas, and they, they eventually fell off and didn't win. But uh, he, he can create opportunities for them when he's on the bases. He makes pitchers' life's nightmares and, and things like that. But when he's not getting on base, the Reds become a, a lot easier to get out. And that's, he's, he cannot have the, the first out all the time, you know, in from your leadoff spot. you just got to find a way to get on base. And, Mark, what, what is the biggest X factor with Billy Hamilton in, in terms of, uh, you know, increasing that end of his game? You know, does he have to be more patient at the plate? Does he have to, you know, simply make harder contact on the pitches he does get in the zone? Is it a combination of those things? What do you think? It's all a combination. Uh, his bugaboo in, in past years has been the whole switch hitting thing. Uh, he nearly gave it up. He, but the funny thing is, is this past year, he was better left-handed, his, his not natural side, than he was right-handed. Hmm. And what he really wants to do, and he's what he's working on, he's going to Texas to work with the Reds' assistant hitting coach, uh, Tony Yarmio, and he's also going to work out with his friend Delano DeShields Jr., is that he wants to be able to be a, a serviceable full-time switch hitter that has both sides of the plate going at the same time. I think he's kind of said it to me uh, recently, you know, when one's going, the other's you know, dipping, and, and he needs to, to find a way to put it all together so that he can be a consistent on-base threat from both sides of the plate at all times. I, I think if he can do that, the Reds could definitely be a, a problem for a lot of teams going forward. Yeah, sky is uh, the limit for Billy Hamilton if he can uh, really increase that part of his game because we know the defense is going to be there. We know the stolen bases are always going to be there, and uh, maybe this is the year that Billy Hamilton does indeed reach that uh, next level. Mark, to wrap things up here, this is something we've discussed at length. This is something that's uh, been a, a lingering issue until uh, the, the trade went through. But now that Zach Kozar is elsewhere and he's uh, enjoying the warm weather in Anaheim, which for the rest of us are not, 
is this the year that Jose Peraza steps up and really uh, takes his place and, and really locks down that role as a full-time starter? I think it needs to be, obviously. For, like I mentioned before, Senzel is uh, nipping at the heels of anybody that can, that can falter so he can get a job. But uh, Jose Peraza is not going to turn 24 until April 30th. And so it, it, even though he's been here for a couple of years, it's just easy to forget how young he is, and he's still, there's still room to grow. Uh, he definitely struggled uh, in the uh, first half. He, he was the everyday second baseman that replaced Brandon Phillips. It didn't go well. He was, uh, you know, he's one of those guys who's not very selective. He's one of the things that they kind of liked about him is that he was an aggressive hitter, but I think it kind of caught up to him that he wasn't getting good contact. He wasn't hitting good pitches, and he definitely didn't walk very much. And then if you look at his uh, – you know, if you looked at his second half numbers, when he kind of after he got benched, he came back and after like over his last 48 games, he he batted 293 and his on base percentage was 361, and he he definitely you know was focused on being more selective, getting on base more, making better contact, and I think it showed. And if he can bring that last 48 games into 2018, he will succeed at uh, replacing Cozart at least offensively. He's not going to probably hit the kind of home runs that Cozart did. Cozart obviously had a breakout year with home runs. And then defense, I think initially he's not going to be Zach Cozart. A guy was a gold glove you know, caliber kind of player, but I think he can develop into it. He's got a good work ethic. I, I, Eugenio Suarez was not much of a third baseman when he, when he first got to that position, and he worked his way into being darn near a gold glove caliber guy, and I think that could happen to Jose Peraza with repetition. And, of course, as you said again, uh, Nick Senzel is going to be nipping on a lot of guys' heels if they begin to falter offensively, defensively, or both. And uh, that is a big X factor and wild card for the Reds uh, here in 2018. It'll be interesting to see how the whole thing shakes out. Great place to wrap this one up on this Friday, Mr. Mark Sheldon. We thank you for the time, and we'll do it again next week. In the meantime, Matt Waymeyer signing off for MLB.com Extras, Cincinnati Reds.